Welcome to Dev Bootcamp Live, the podcast where we help you level up so you land your first engineering job, and we help you level up so you become the best engineer on your team. I'm Juan Lizarazo. And I'm Jared Potter. And this week, we're going to be talking about mastering array functions in JavaScript, and also any other little tidbits about JavaScript arrays that we might want to learn about. So I'm going to go ahead and get, kick things off and get, get started. So arrays are a special object in JavaScript, and these objects come with a special set of functions that we can call on them uh, for you know, e easy accessibility to a lot of basic functionality that we would like to use. So there's a broad range of different functions that we can call, and we're gonna be focusing on our favorite ones and helping give you tips on how to best use them or how to best uh, use which ones in which circumstances. Understanding these can really help you in a coding interview to just more quickly, easily solve the problem that they're asking rather than drawing out a more you know, more detailed uh, solution. Yeah, and that's, uh, so and that's that's a great that's a great topic, Jerry. Because uh, if you think about it, like every day we're working with arrays, no matter what task we're doing, like we're using arrays for everything because it's such a fundamental data structure that that we use, right, in our day to day. So so that's really good to cover methods because there's methods that we forget that they, they exist. So I think this is going to be very useful for our audience today. Yes, absolutely, I agree. And yeah, by the way. I know it's a pretty basic thing that I'm sure a lot of you guys already understand, but when we say method or function, right, for the purpose of this is pretty much the same thing, right? For the most part, those are, are indistinguishable terms. Um, there's a slight difference, but we're not going to get into it right now. Um, so uh, we're, we're just going to kind of go back and forth with a few of our different favorite functions that we use and kind of uh, just talk about them a little bit. So uh, the first one that a lot of you guys might use is the sort function, right? So there's times where you're going to have an array where the items are just not sorted according to a specific order that you want. Um, or maybe you want to be able to switch between the order um, very easily, right? So imagine like a list of products um, on a page and you want to do a simple client-side sorting, you know? So you want to be able to sort by maybe alphabetical or you want to sort by highest customer review or by price, right? Ascending or descending, right? There's a lot of reasons that you might want to do this. So uh, with the sort function, how it works is you're going to have your array, you're going to call array.sort, and then in it, you are going to be passing it a higher order function, which is just a function that takes a function as a parameter. And it's going to basically take in that, that, that function that you're going to be passing in is going to take in basically the first element and the second element. And it's your job as an, as an engineer to compare these two to say which one comes before or after the other one. And you do this by returning either a negative number, a positive number, or zero to say that they're equal, which it doesn't matter which order that they go in. Um, but yeah, so, and then just a couple other quick tidbits about this that's worthwhile noting is um, behind the scenes, um, for anyone who's interested in the al algorithms and data structures that are behind this stuff, uh, the V8 engine, which is running you know, inside of your Chromium browser or also uh, running your node, um, if, if the set is less than or equal to 10 items, it uses an insertion sort, but otherwise it actually uses quick sort um, for its sorting functionality. But Juan, what are, what are some of your experiences with using sort or a couple of your tips on it? Yeah, sometimes like um, with, with sort, um, usually when you want to have a different, well, there's, there, there's two use cases that I can think of. One, 
of course, when you when you don't want to order just a sending, let's say you have some sort of collection or names or products or something, and then I want to order them, but not a sending, then that's when you start playing with these functions you pass, and then you um, compare, you know, the letters, and this is something that maybe students don't know, but when you have a string, uh, you, you you know that a string has a numerical representation, um, and, and, and these are numbers that uh, you can find online, but an easy way to know the, 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 the representation is you can use the um, the, the there is some built-in method in the string, and and that one will I think is char index. I don't remember the method, but there's a method in the string that can tell you the, the numeric representation if you want to know. But like pretty much that 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 explains why like when you have uh, b uh, is b is treated as a number that is greater than a. So so there is a method, uh, and I, and I will I, I haven't used it for a while, but that will tell you the numbers. So when you're ordering descending, for example, then that's when that is handy. But really when I have found the most out of the sorting method, when you pass a function to order, because I remember if I called sort without passing any function, it's gonna sort, I think, ascending. But if I pass a function, you wouldn't pass a function to order ascending because that's the default. So just don't do it. But when um, when I have found the, the most out of this is when you have an array, but the array is not just an array of strings or just an array of numbers. Because in real life, we're not gonna have just an array of strings because they're meaningless, right? We usually have array of objects. We have objects that have rich data, right? The metadata that represents something like when you have a product, right? It represents maybe a price or maybe a polish date or a vendor, right? Or a manufacturer. So that's when sorting comes really handy because you pass the algorithm, the, the, the function, and then you know the keys of that collection. It's a normalized collection usually. You don't want to have a mixed collection where you have maybe the first item is a number, the second item is a is an object, right? Because then that's not normalized. It's not good. Don't mix uh, data types within the same collection, right? But if you have a collection of uh, objects and they have the same keys, then it's pretty easy because then you pass that sorting, you call the sort function, and then in your function inside where, where you have the values, you are really having objects there. So what you can do is like you compare the keys. So the key of the first object, right? So for example, the first object, usually we call them A and B with that. It's kind of like what the documentation does. So it's usually like, okay, the A item or the first item or the left item, right? So it's like A dot and the key name. So let's say we're sorting products by uh, price and is descending or just ascending, the sort algorithm by like the, the sort function doesn't know about your custom keys. It doesn't know that maybe it's dot price, right? So that's when you use that function and that's when you get the most out of this. And then you call it, right? And then you would do that comparison. You would do something like a dot price is greater than b dot price. So if it is greater, you return a positive number. So you return one, for example, right? Or if it is not greater, then you return minus one. If it is the same, see, so if a dot price is equal to b dot price, then you just return zero. And that's when the sorting occurs. But really you are telling JavaScript like, okay, do the traditional sorting you do, but these are the keys I know about. And that's when I have gotten the most out of this. And this is when it's a very common case. Usually when you're in an interview, you're not going to have probably rich objects, but you they, they're, they might tell you, okay, I want you to order these names, but order, order first maybe the capital letters and then the lowercase letters, something like that. They can give you something specific. So that's when this sort comes very, very handy. Yeah, no, I appreciate that additional explanation on that one. That's wonderful. Uh, what's one of your favorite functions, Juan? Uh, for the right, uh, the for each. That's the one like I uh, I use the most, right? Because usually with arrays, like when you have collections and you need to loop through a collection, right? We could 
do like, okay, we can do the four off and do different things, but it depends what you need to do. If you need to get data out and then you want to stop the full execution, let's say you, you, you are iterating through your array and then you want to um, just iterate through the whole collection for each is very handy because the syntax is just easier to read. For, for each is a little bit less performant than just a traditional for loop, right? But if you know that you need to iterate through the whole collection, 100% of the items, for each is just easier to maintain. The code is just more readable. So many teams are gonna encourage you to use just for each because it's easier to read that for, let, and then the I, and then I++, right? And then you have to do something like item and the, in the you know, it's harder to read. So just for each is easier. But if you don't need to iterate through the whole collection, right? Let's say you don't need to print all the collections. You need to just like print the first match, right? Then you wouldn't do for each because the thing with for each is that it receives an argument, which is a callback, a function, right? That, that you just call, kind of like sort, is going to function that is going to be called for each item in the collection. But the problem with that is that there's no way to stop it. So if you need to, like, like there's no way to stop it because if you put something like return, or break, it's gonna return that specific call for that item. But if you have a hundred items, it's gonna go and iterate through all of them. So in those cases, maybe something like four, a traditional for loop, for off, or a for let, right? With I++, it's gonna be better. So that depends on the case, but most of the times you find that you need to iterate through the whole collection and then for each comes very handy. And that's my favorite method because it's the one I use the most for like my day to day for each. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I also really like for each. Um, there has been a couple of instances where I've needed the inside of the function to be or sorry, to be synchronous. And I ran into issues because for each is not inherently synchronous as, as, as I understand it, or maybe it was just the use case I was using. Um, but yeah, it's quick and easy to use. And yeah, if you need it guaranteed go there through every single item, it's a great option to use. Yeah, that, I think what you're what you're mentioning what used to be maybe with Node, but in browser JavaScript is fully synchronous. In Node, I could see it like where you can treat it a little like a synchronous, but I think it's still synchronous. I think it's still blocking. Okay. But I remember running into that because in Node some of those functions are non-blocking, right? So 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 then there, there could be confusion. But it depends because you know our audience they're using both. They're using Node for their APIs. So so yeah, be careful. Like if you're using Node, right? Be careful because some of those functions that receive a callback are non-blocking. So if you don't understand what I'm talking about, read about non-blocking functions in Node. So so but but yeah, but I could see like yeah that 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 it could feel that is non-blocking. And I think I remember running into that, but I I Theme is synchronous. I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, a couple of other really important array functions. And I'm kind of kind of put these two kind of together because I think that people can um, confuse which one to use and when to use the other one. Um, but these two are, are the reduce function and the map function. And you can actually accomplish oftentimes the same thing um, with both of these functions. But I think there is a better use case for each of them. Uh, so uh, to start, I would say that um, we'll talk about the reduce function. So uh, the reduce function, well, again, we're calling it on an array, right? And pretty much all of, well, not every single one of these, but a lot of the functions that we're calling on an array will iterate through every item on the array. Kind of, kind of what the goal is with a lot of this. So with reduce, how it works is you pass in as a, the first parameter 
um, a callback function. And then the second parameter is a very special parameter, which is what's called your accumulator. And you can think about this as an object that will persist through every iteration of the loop. And you can think about it as keeping track of things. So when I think about reduce, I like to think about summing things up. Um, so there's a really basic example. If you have, let's say, an array of numbers, you could you know, initialize that accumulator as zero. And then inside of the iterator, or excuse me, inside of the callback function, you receive in um, the current instance of that accumulator as the first parameter. And then the second parameter is the current value. Um, so whatever item is coming in from the array on that iteration. So you could just simply say return, you know, um, well, we could name that as accumulator sum, right? So you could say return sum plus, you know, the current number. And this will go through and add all those numbers together. And at the end of it, you're going to assign all, you know, the whole array.reduce to a sum. Now, this is kind of a simple example that you'll find on documentation. But what I find more interesting is if you have, let's say, more complex objects, uh, you know, an array of com more complex objects that you're going over, you can basically pull out all sorts of statistical information from that whole array and store it in this accumulator and then return it, right? So this is a use case that I found very useful. Um, even in one of my classes, we had an example where we went over all 100 US senators and we gathered information like, you know, what's the total number of Republicans or total number of Democrats, independents, or how many of them are men or women, right? So, uh, you know, which, what's, what's their gender? So there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of statistical data you can get from Reduce uh, that I think is pretty useful. But Juan, what's, what's your experience or take on, on, on best use cases for that? Yeah, so with Reduce, there's, um, so something I always like to tell students is that, so reduce, like what it means, right? You are reducing, you are converging to a value. So usually we reduce, you have, let's say you have a whole collection and you're iterating through items. You have that accumulator and you are converging to certain attributes, certain data or certain single value, right? Depending on what your method is doing, it could be doing anything. One problem I have with, re with reduce is that there's a tendency to create one-liners, right? Some, some engineers like to like uh, overuse it, right? And then uh, that, causes um, a sacrifice, a trade-off uh, of readability and maintainability. So sometimes like if you find like, oh yeah, I can do this whole block, like let's say four lines of code with a single line with reduce, you do it. But the problem is like, think of this, like maybe not everybody's familiar with reduce or maybe it's not readable. If it is a simple reduce, let's say your reduce function is very simple, it's not complex data, then it makes sense, right? When it comes to real life. But if not, if it is not highly readable, most of the times in a code review, I ask to just let's switch, switch it because yeah, I love your one-liner, but maybe you are the only one who's going to understand this and anybody else will have to go and learn about reduce and reduce is not a common function, right? Or, or So so there's the, the, the use case. The alternative to reduce is that you, you can just create a, an array and then you have a, a loop, right? And in your for loop, you start looping and then you can start pushing to that array or you can start like, you know, reassigning values as needed. And, and, and it's pretty much the alternative and it's more lines of code, maybe four lines, 
but it's more readable because you can give it meaningful names. So be careful with reduce. I mean, reduce is really good. There, there's cases that is like, oh yeah, reduce makes it really simple. But sometimes if it is overcomplicated and a giant one-liner, at least split it out in multiple lines if you're using reduce. So that's my experience with it. I proactively don't use it because it's just readability. I, I like to, you know, we write code for humans, but there's just cases where it's so simple that it's like, oh yeah, it makes sense to do reduce. Like a sum, right? It just makes sense. It's a common case and it those are those are good right so so yeah so it depends but yeah yeah reduce like that one can come uh in interviews it's depending on the company but some teams like to ask about that and not so much because like they expect you to be like oh we're going to be using reduce for everything at work but they just are testing how much do you know about javascript like let's say you say hey i know a lot about javascript i've been using it for years and then they ask you about reuse and you don't know how to write or you don't know about what it is about then that means like maybe you haven't really dived into the these things that the language offers. So, so that's why it's very important for interviews to keep it in mind. Maybe you won't be asked that for a junior interview, but maybe you will. So it depends on the company. So always it's good to be prepared, right? Here we helped you prepare for your first interview, right? To land your first engineering job. So, so it's a good idea to go and review those methods, do some exercises. And, and, you know, here we expose you to topics, go on Google, reduce and look for examples, practice, become really an expert with it. Like the accumulator part could be confusing, right? I remember the first time using it and it was like, oh, accumulator, what is this doing? I don't understand, right? And it, it takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, so Jared, I'm going to take a break here to remind our audience. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. If you are listening to this on uh, whatever podcast platform you're, you're, you're on, right? Like we're in so many platforms, just follow us there. So then you get notified when we get, uh, when we publish new episodes, we try to publish weekly, mostly weekly, and we're always publishing new content. And remember, this podcast is intended for new and aspiring software engineers. If you're a super advanced engineer, this podcast is not for you. You're going to get bored with us talking about these topics, right? But here we try to expose you to current trends and, and current things. And important and also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Uh, we have links uh, on whatever platform you're watching this. So then you can get in touch. Sometimes we, we create other type of content and we put it there. So yeah, get in touch there, follow us there in, on Twitter. So, okay. So let's continue, Jared. So you mentioned reduce. So the next one that I really like about arrays uh, that I use all the time is map, map. But let's not confuse map with the data structure with the object, right? With the map object or the map constructor, right? That is a, a pair, a, a key pair, right? Set some uh, keys and values. Let's not confuse that. It's array maps, which we have our array and we just call dot map. And all these functions, we're passing always a function that is going to be executed for on each item. So I really like map, Jared. So um, tell me about map. I mean, it's one of my favorite functions. I think you like it too a lot because we use it in so many common cases. So what do we use map for? Um, what is it map about? So, so what map is doing is again, that we're taking in this, uh, this function, this callback function as the one parameter. And that callback function takes in one parameter itself, which is each item in the array as we're iterating over it. Um, and the only expected return value is essentially what is going to be like the initial data, but transformed. So map really is for transforming your data from whatever it currently is into something else. Um, uh, you know, one example is let's say you have very complicated uh, objects that have a lot of fields and data, but you just need a smaller subset of them. 
Well, you could return a, an, an object with only the fields that you need and not all of them, right? So you're transforming the data in that way. Uh, but Juan, I'd love to hear what else, else you have for yeah. it. Yeah, so transforming is a good way to call it, uh, but like mapping, right? Like, I mean, I like not, not mapping, like peaking. So, so think about this. You have a set, right? You have your collection of objects. Let's say you have objects with the products we were talking about and you have a lot of data there. Publish date, prices, uh, vendors, manufacturers. But let's say you just care about the name and the price. So you want a collection. This is the requirement. Let's get a collection that has all the products. It's an array of objects, right? And we want just the name and the price because we just want to make sure like that which one is the cheapest, for example, or something like that. So map would be useful because with map, you can pick that data, right? You trade through the bigger collections. It can be even nested. Doesn't matter. You see, you can nest maps. You can use two maps, right? Like that's up to whatever their structure you are using or whatever uh, shape of the objects you have, right? The contracts. But in, in like map, right? Like you use it to, to like pick, right? Kind of like picking up from a menu, right? You get the first object. It's like, okay, I'm going to pick name and price, and it puts it in the array and then moves on to the next item. You could do that like with a for loop yourself, but it's just so complicated. Like, I mean, it's so ugly, right? That using map is, is, is useful because map returns an array of just the objects that you selected, right? That you picked. One catch with map, Jared, and this is very common, is like, let's say you say, you know what? Sometimes I, if, for example, our list of products, I don't want to pick the products that are higher, like that are more expensive over, that are, that are over $100, right? Let's say you say, okay, it is over $100, let's use return, right? Then return just means that returns undefined, right? In JavaScript, we just return nothing, you're returning undefined. So what happens in those cases is that you're going to get a array that's going to have items that are undefined. So you can have product, a product, a product, undefined, product, undefined, right? But sometimes that's not good for your UI. You don't want to print undefined or get errors. So when that happens, when you have a collection that you want to pick, but it's not, let's say you have 100 products and you don't want the 100 items, you just want the, the cheapest ones, and they're 100, and maybe it's just 10 of them, then you will want to combine it with a dot filter, which is another function. Maybe we'll talk about it today or not, but it's out there. Filter, Google it. And, uh, and usually you will combine the two of them. And because map returns an array, you can chain them. So if you know about method chaining, uh, it's very useful. If you don't know about it, Google it, method, method chaining in JavaScript. So that saves you some lines and makes the code more readable uh, uh, for clarity. Right. And the alternative to that is you could do a for loop, right? And instead of and push to a, to a new array, and when you don't want the item, you just uh, continue or you don't push and move to the next right on the loop and then you won't have to filter but then the code is more like harder to understand and it's always nice to use these built-in methods because they work at the engine level so they work like really fast because the engine is running that so that's going to be like doing a better job or what you could do manually right and uh, so so don't yeah don't, don't do the work that the engine does for you and these methods that javascript offers for you but yeah that's my experience with map drive so what would be the next method, like your next favorite? Yeah, so I think uh, we, we should talk about um, two, two functions that I think a lot of students can get confused and which one to use in which circumstance. And these two functions are gonna be slice and splice. So I know that sometimes I forget exactly which one is which and have interview to Interview warning, they come at interviews a lot. So slice and splice. Yeah, so um, 
I, I have a couple like little mental tidbits that help me kind of keep these separated. So when I think of slice, I, I like to imagine um, a knife and, and like a loaf of bread, right? So there's my array is like my loaf of bread and my, and I'm slicing down and I'm cutting the bread. And the thing about with slice is that I am taking um, one of those chunks of bread, either the first half or the second half or something like that, right? So that's what I think of when um, I'm thinking about that. Um, now it's important that when you do call, so you can use slice and either if you don't pass any parameters or if you pass a zero, um, it re will return you a shallow copy of the array, right? So this is actually one of the many ways that you can clone an, an array in JavaScript um, very quickly. Um, so you can do that. Or if you pass in, I'm trying to remember here exactly the- um, Minus like, let's one. Say you, go ahead. Minus one. I'm just gonna yeah, my <laughs> What happens with minus one one? Tell returns us. the last item. <laughs> that oh, one is like okay. so common. Like, how do I get the last item? Minus one and returns the last item. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's what I like to think about. So you're basically you're you're slicing the array and you're getting one half of it out of it, right? And you're going to be defining um, at what index that that you're going to basically make that slice happen. Um, what, Juan, what else do you know about Slice? So yeah, so Slice returns always a new array. Um, you mentioned shallow copy. So if you don't know what that means, that mean, like anybody listening out there, that really means that if you have an array of objects, you're not going to get a copy of those objects. You get a new array, but it's pointing to the same references. So be careful if you change the objects on, in there, okay? So always keep that in mind. Basic JavaScript there. Um, very useful, like the explanation you gave, right? If you do minus one, minus, the minus, the negative comes from like end to the beginning. And let's say you say minus three, which was like the last three items. So it's very useful when you need the last item of the array. You do just dot slice minus one returns just the last item. Sometimes it's very useful. An alternative, you can do array, uh, square bracket, array dot length minus one, close square, square bracket, but that's so verbose and kind of like hard to understand that just with the slices you see here. Why? Because you can do a slice and you can give it a, a name to that minus one. Instead of just, just passing minus one, you can give it a name constant, something like, for example, index of the last, uh, in like items from left to right or something like that. I mean, like you can give it a name and it's like, oh yeah, it's returning the last item or last item index and, and something like that. You can give it a name. Uh, it makes it really useful. Something that you mentioned about splice, the way I remember what splice does. So splice is like, very pretty much the same that slice is doing, but splice modifies the array you call it on. So instead of returning a new array, splice returns the removed items. If you remove items, right, like the items that you are ignoring, but um, modifies in place. So how do I remember about splice? Is because splice is kind of like place, splice, right? Splice. So in place. So it modifies the existing array. So for an interview, for example, if it tells you like, okay, modify this array, just get, you know, this first half or use this index from, like get the second to the 10th element out of this array, but you cannot return a new array. So you're like, okay, maybe how did you delete items from an array? You could delete items, but then you're going to have undefined. If you use something like map, you're going to return a new array that's in modifying place. So a trick is that you say, okay, it splice to modifying place. When it's useful, when you don't want to reassign to a new reference for performance, right? You modify in place, you're mutating the array. An array is mutable by nature, so it's a good thing. 
but very, very useful is when you have data that is subscribed to that array. For example, if you're working with observables and you have a reference to that array, you don't want to just reassign the array because you will lose that subscription. So depending on what, what language and stuff you're using, but if you have something depending on it, you maybe don't want to reassign it. And also for performance. Uh, so then splice makes total sense. But traditionally, traditionally, you might be used working with uh, juicy slides when you need pieces, right? You will probably use juicy slice. Uh, it depends on your use case. They both exist because they both are needed. That's all I can say. When to use one or another, you, you ask yourself, like, do I need to modify in place? If the answer is no, you don't need to, it could work, but you don't need to, always default to slice. Why? Because it will keep things more pure. You don't want to mutate things if you don't have to. So that's just my, my piece of advice there. Um, so just remember that, take notes, uh, rewind, and repeat, and this is again to what I just said, right? And, and write that down so that that will give you a good idea when to use one or another. But yeah, those are very important methods, Jared. Yeah, and also don't forget with all of these points, go and practice these things, right? Open up your console in your browser and play around, um, you know, with these different functions, get familiar with them, be comfortable with them. Uh, it's going to help you, you know, nail these things down in your brain so that when you can retrieve them more easily in a mm -hmm. more stressed situation, like an interview or uh, yeah. what have you, but uh, what Juan? What's what's another what's another function? So we we are almost out of time, but I just want to like throw some functions that like for you know homework. We always have homework. So the high level, we have going into much much detail. I'm gonna mention a couple that I like, and then Jerry, if you have more, we can mention them. But there's one that it was old school file find index, and then you would use it to find an index for an element, and it would return the index of the element. So let's say you have an array of names, and you say, okay, find me where Juan is. It will return, oh, it's index two. If it is not found. It would it will return minus one. So sometimes you will see in the code that says like something index is if it is not minus one. But that was in very readable that then uh, you know arrays evolve and they have other methods. So then they introduce the find method. So find will return the actual element. Super useful not when you're looking for let's say names because if I say hey let's find Juan finds one and returns one. So it finds what I was looking for, silly. So really when you have objects, so okay, when you find the object that has certain key and you, you, you pass a method, read about it, super useful. And my favorite these days is dot includes. That one is like, I mean, it's five years old, six years old, so it's super old, but it's still sort of new because a lot of browsers didn't have support, right? For it for a while, but dot includes, uh, it's, uh, it returns, it's kind of like an alternative to find index to, to determine if an item is in an array. So, but includes returns already true or false, which is more semantic. It makes more sense, easier to maintain. That names dot, so for example, names dot includes Juan, true or false, is better than names dot find index Juan different to minus one. It's kind of like, okay, what is happening, right? So those are my favorites to finish up. Uh, and there's other methods for interviews, read about concat dot concat. I'm not going to tell you about it. Just go read about it. It's useful for interviews. Um, and there's, of course, pop and push, right? Push, we use it all the time to add items, pop to remove items. Uh, there's shift and then shift. And I'm not going to tell you about those. Google them. They're useful for interviews. Um, any other, Jared? Uh, like uh, you, you, you took you took most on um, most of my list there, but there's also a uh, reverse um, in certain circumstances that might be useful to use. Um, and also remember that there is um, the array.from functions and the array.of functions as well to go take a look at. 
Um, and lastly, I would just say, and this kind of goes hand in hand with concat a little bit, is uh, knowing that you can also use the spreader operator, right? The dot, dot, dot in front of your arrays to spread your arrays out um, in circumstances that you need to do that. So yeah, uh, yeah that's everything. There's lots of reading there for our audience, right? We might talk about arrays in the future again, but yeah, they... Yeah, those are right from Dimension. I use them a lot. We need to convert sets. And as we did a video on that last week, right? A five-minute video. So check it out. And uh, which one did you say? The reverse. Okay. The reverse like that, ring a bell. There's a common interview question, which is uh, determine if this is a palindrome, right? So if you don't know what a palindrome is, Google it. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. But dot reverse helps you with that because sometimes they tell you like, okay, just do it. And you do it with dot reverse. And it's kind of you nail the interview and it takes you five minutes to do that. And they, because they don't tell you, you cannot use reverse. If they tell you, you cannot use reverse, then you use like a, a four and you just go backwards in the four or something like that. But the reverse saves you time. I have passed interviews in the past just using the reverse and they're kind of like, oh, cool, you're done. Let's move on, right? Because they just give you the requirement. They don't give you the details of what you can do or not. So that also shows that, hey, you know about the language. So reverse is very useful. Um, but yeah, we're out of time. So that's really it for today. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Dev Bootcamp Live. I'm Juan Lizarazo. And I'm Jared Potter. And we'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>